My name is Ellis Maxwell. I'm a senior student at Haverford College in Pennsylvania, where I'm co-head of a group called Rethink Incarceration. We advocate for the immediate abolition of all prisons and work in solidarity with folks on the inside and other organizations in the state um, towards that goal of prison abolition. It was through Rethink Incarceration that I was able to first meet Charles Boyd, who you'll hear from in a second. Charles is incarcerated on a death by incarceration sentence at SCI Phoenix. He's been in prison for over 30 years, during which time he has worked on many, many projects, including things like the Alternatives to Violence Project, Right to Redemption, and Let's Circle Up. And Let's Circle Up was uh, where I was able to meet Charles. Let's Circle Up was founded by men incarcerated at Greaterford, which is now Phoenix in 2007, and quote, seeks to build relationships, community, and leaders through experiential, participatory, and collaborative restorative justice education. So I was able to take part in one of Let's Circle Up's workshops about two years ago, and since then, Charles and I have become very close friends and collaborators. Another quote about Let's Circle Up, Quote, we believe that when coming face to face with the real impact of crime and other harms, we will be inspired to live in ways that are more life-giving to others and ourselves. So these are some of the values that Let's Circle Up um, promotes, mostly through workshops with incarcerated folks at Phoenix, but also has spread to other institutions and they're able to invite one group each month to come in from the outside and participate in workshops that they lead. Some of the other work that Charles and I are, have been engaged with recently is on the topic of cross-generational organizing. We've been working on this for, for a long time and are hoping to put some of our work into action in the form of pamphlet or other written material soon. But our kind of mission statement for that work is to promote transformative cross-generational organizing, particularly between incarcerated people and people on the outside, that excites people and helps us all tap into our personal and communal agency. So I wanna share that before you hear from Charles. And I wanna say also that the call that you'll hear was recorded on March 31st. I'm speaking now, it's uh, April 16th, so it's been over two weeks. I've heard from Charles several times since then, so I'll give a brief update of what's going on now. So the, the prison was locked down, as you'll hear, on March, on March 30th, following the first positive test inside. Administration did not give info, basically, to prisoners at Phoenix until day 15 of the quarantine, so basically early this week. Last week, a prisoner at Phoenix died from symptoms of COVID-19. That was not announced on the news until Monday, April 13th. Administration didn't and still, to this point, hasn't announced this death to other prisoners. They've only found out through outside news broadcasts. At this point, one unit in the, at Phoenix is completely quarantined with no present access to phones. That's where the majority of confirmed cases have come from, is that one unit. So the, the entire prison is locked down, as Charles will say, with only less than an hour of time for prisoners to be outside of their cells, outside of their unit. Well, still with their unit, but outside of their cells. But this one unit is, is even locked down further than that, um, completely quarantined. 
so the, the points that Charles is continuing to hammer home is the kind of the inconsistency and total lack of transparency from the Department of Corrections. He says that in this crisis, who you are, what you do, and how well you deny involvement or outright lie determines who gets a pass and who doesn't. He's feeling, he's expressed a lot of frustration and anger towards official, like governmental administration handling of this crisis, a frustration that he cannot be on the outside helping those in need, and about his present situation and how vulnerable he and his many family, friends, and loved ones that he's formed while in prison are um, due to this crisis. And a last quote I want to share that Charles said to me yesterday is, he said, what alarms me is that I feel more cut off from society today than I have since I've been incarcerated. And that's a time of over 30 years as we're all going through experiencing things that we've never experienced with this crisis, that, that statement really hit home because Charles is somebody who works so, so hard, so passionately to create connections between people and to hear him say how cut off he feels is really, is really difficult. And of course that's despite all the, you know, the kind of crumbs that Department of Corrections has offered in the form of free phone calls, free a limited amount of free phone calls and emails, but we know they've canceled on in-person visits and things like that that really provide lifelines to people. You'll hear the recording now. Um, if you want to follow up in any way, feel free to reach out to me. My email address is ellis, E-L-L-I-S, dot maxwell, M-A-X-W-E-L-L, at gmail.com. For more information on Let's Circle Up, you can go to letscircleup.org. Thanks for listening. Charles, you got me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, okay go ahead. So, so like, basically, like, uh, days ago, um, I guess, I guess, maybe on the 29th, we were, like, um, one of the blocks, uh, one of the guys that came up with the canola. Coronavirus. He had been right. to, so I guess they had to quarantine that block. And uh, so on uh, yesterday, um, when we came out, the whole the whole institution was like pretty much put on lockdown. So right now, what we are doing is we have like maybe uh, 40 minutes out a day. During that time, we gotta we can use the phones, we can access the kiosks, we can get showers and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, leading up to this event, we knew that this was going to happen. We knew that at some point we was, you know, going to be uh, placed on lockdown. Um, we had certain concerns, and our concerns was pretty much um, about the elderly population, guys who are in who have health uh, issues. You know, mm-hmm. how would they um, have access to their meds and stuff like that? Uh, how would this virus, once it entered the prison, how would it infect them? How would it affect them? Uh, it seemed like they would be the most vulnerable in that situation. Yeah. So uh, that was a concern. And there was a concern about our ventilation system here, because the central air, so that means that one person attracted it. Uh, right. Uh, pretty much we're all breathing the same air uh, in and out. 
And so there was a concern about, you know, how would it be contained or could it be contained once it entered the institution. Uh, another concern was um, all of the guys that we have here who have non-bond uh, cases, uh, those who have uh, served their sentences, pretty much they over their minimums anyway. Mm-hmm. They have received like a, a hit about, you know, for whatever. A hit is like, you know, when the parole board tells you that you have to, although your minimum is up, you might have to do six months, nine months, sometimes even a year. In extreme cases, as much as like five years, because it can move. And in the move situation, they were giving them like five-year hits. Right. So, so there's a concern about those those people in that situation because you figure that if they could let more people out, then it wouldn't be as crowded in here. Especially like if you mm-hmm. have all these guys who are nonviolent, have nonviolent cases, and um, I mean, drug offenses, minor drug offenses, and stuff like that. Um, and then those for technical violations. If they could get those guys out of the system, then you would pretty much be able to um, significantly lower the population. Um, mm-hmm. We were concerned about this term social distancing because. This is a call from SCI, Phoenix State Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. The majority of the, majority of the jail. Uh, um, have to hear, I mean, you have to hear the cell with someone else, it's double celled. And so, it's how do you practice social distancing in a situation like that? You know, right. where you have to, uh, because the quarters, it's a very, very small space that you have to share. And so, it just seems like that social distancing would be out of the window in that situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, those were some of the concerns we had, uh, and some of the concerns we still have. Me personally, uh, I feel like we are uh, at war, you know, and I guess probably most of the country feels that way, and probably maybe even most of the world seems like that um, yeah. pretty much that, um, that we are at war. And uh, at this point, I believe that there are incarcerated um, people that we are pretty, pretty much like uh, casualties of that war. Uh, it's a possibility that we might be uh, casualties of that war, especially if uh, there is not an antidote or some, you know, method um, discovered that can contain this virus. Right. So that's uh, pretty much um, that's 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 my thinking along it. Did you have any questions for me, though? Yeah. Um. I mean, first of all, I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear your voice because when I heard the news yesterday about the first case. In Phoenix, I was immediately, immediately thinking of you. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing okay this is right a call now. From SCI Phoenix State Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. It's good to hear your voice, as always, yes. Alice. You know? Yes, yes. Um, so I guess one one important thing is you said you have 40 minutes a day at this point where you're able to use phones. So that, so that's for phones, um, computers, like tablets for entertainment. Is that everything all at, all in one time, or do people ro- rotate through? What's that like? No, it's like one time. Like you have like forty minutes which to do that. So like say before I before I called you, I think my tablet to see if I had any messages and to send messages out. 
and then right. I get on the phone, and then when I get off the phone, I'll probably get a shower and then go back in. Okay, including so showers person. have to happen in between within those 40 minutes, too. Yeah, all of that is within that 40-minute period. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Because you figure, like, only eight people are allowed out at a time. Eight people are allowed at a time. Wow. Right. And, and on this unit, there's 130 people on this unit. So on each each unit, there's probably like at least 100, you know, 30 or more people. So if you only let them eight out at a time, then you, you know, 40 minutes, so you can see how they'd be doing. They'd be running that all that process all day. Right. Right. And they haven't said anything about um, making phone calls or other communication free at this time, right? Oh yes. Yeah. They have, uh, they have, they have okay. like, on um, on Wednesdays, they, every Wednesday they give you, like, uh, something like uh, five free phone calls, right? Okay. And uh, also, um, every I think every Wednesday they give you, like, five emails, I mean, uh, free e- uh, emails where you could send out, you know, you know, yeah. So okay. they can do that. They have to do that. Okay. And that's just recently as a result of the virus, yeah? This has been going on for like about two weeks now. Right, but I'm saying the free that that new policy is is from two weeks ago, right? Yeah, that's yes, uh huh. Right. And basically, so you know they um they, you know because they stopped the visits, so they said they wanted to do something right. to kind of like help people to stay in contact with their families and support out on the outside. Right. Know, so that's basically what they came up with. So, right. so they give you like uh, five uh, free phone calls a week, and um, and five e messages. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking the other thing I'm thinking is I know you said that they halted all kind of like programming and everything that all the work that you do on a day to day basis to provide space for people to talk and grow together and and do so much of the work that prisons say they're trying to do but never really support. Um, how does that, how do those efforts proceed in this time of, as you said, so-called social distancing? Um, yeah, how does that, how does that go forward well, for you? Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ellis, because Really, with this term, social distancing, and I think about 9-11, right? And I think about the aftermath of that, how, what freedom looked like before 9-11 and what it looks like today, particularly like at airports or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, um, it changed things. You know what I mean? It changed the way we, I mean, the way we live, the way we interact. And I'm sure that this is going to do the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But what we do... Uh, what we hope to do, anyway, is to continue to build relationships. I mean, like in the seas, I'm thinking about all the people that we've already reached out to, all the yeah. I mean, all our alumni base. So uh, we have like block reps on every unit, just about in this institution, and we have alumni just on, on every unit in this in, in this prison, mm-hmm. and uh, not just this prison, but other prisons. So the goal, what. Uh, we, Phil and I, have, you know, been talking about for years. It's just for the conversation don't not to end in the in the classroom, but yeah. to carry over. You know what I mean? And I enter. I mean, our personal relationships. And so, I am looking 
um, to see a lot of growth, you know what I mean, not just from the people that I'm talking to and, um, and the leaders in the circle up in ADP, but also from the alumni, you know, mm-hmm. look, you know see how, uh, how this, you know, will affect them, like, in a positive way. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm looking for things to really, really, really pick up you know, I mean, a lot once we release, once we back the uh, the doors back open, and also, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, I will be checking, you know, like trying to measure, you know, like how in, uh, the, the impact that uh, ADP and the circle up is having, even in this situation. Right, right. Yeah, I like what you said about that because you don't want workshops like that to be just contained within the time that it takes to to have the workshop, of course, as we talked about many times, like you wanted to go forward and be transformative for all the spaces that folks who are in the workshop are in later. Um, yes. It, yeah. It, it has to. It has to in order to be, uh, in, in my opinion, if, in order to be authentic, it has to go beyond the classroom experience. And, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that it does. I know it does. With me, and I'm sure it does with others, but definitely with the leadership team, and and hopefully with those, like I said, the many people who are here are part of that alumni. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I when I we come out, that'll be one of the first things, my first orders of business. The first thing I would do is would try to locate as many of them as I can, and to, um, and to hear from them what this experience was like for them, and how they utilize whatever tools or um, that we, you know, discuss in either ADP uh, or Let's Circle Up or any other organizations that I'm involved in, um, how do they use that information or those tools, right, to navigate, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and help others to navigate through this situation? Right, right. Well, another question I'm thinking is um, what, so you already laid out really quick and clear like your kind of the priorities and ideas for decarceration right now which is so urgent um i wanted to also ask in terms of like what folks on the inside need right now in terms of support what like what does what's needed right now for people who are incarcerated during this pandemic from folks that you've spoken to and Okay. Well, I think that, you know, I know that each prison is probably different. I know mm-hmm. in this situation here, I mean, like, um, we, we, we need, like, the proper stuff, you know what I mean, pretty much to be able to, you know, to keep the cells um, sanitized and stuff like that. Um, like, we had some, you know, somebody came on the um, on the blocks and they uh, sprayed bleach and stuff outside of the block, on the block, on the tables, on the unit and stuff like that. But we haven't received any for, I mean, like, to be able to sanitize ourselves and stuff. So, I mean, to be able to advocate for, I mean. You have one minute left. For us having stuff like that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, the stuff that we need, I mean, that's uh, of some quality and that would help us to actually sterilize, you know, keep ourselves sterilized and stuff like that. Right. We have um, uh, a fan ventilation system on the block, right, that... Um, is only utilized like maybe once a month or something like that. And the, the fan is to take air, air out of the building and to bring in fresh air from outside. 
I just can't understand why it's not being used. Yeah. Now, during this period, it should be used at least, you know, maybe twice a day, once in the morning, once at night, or right. in the evening, you know, I mean, to circulate the air. So that's a concern for me. Yeah. Um, and there, there are other things. That's just two that I can think of right yeah. now. That and also uh, support uh, for the men and women who have minimum sentences. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, like, oh, no, Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. You there, Charles? Yes, yes. All right. So, go ahead. Um, what's the last question, Alice? So we're talking about what, like, what is the most urgent needs right now? And maybe if I can add to that, um, okay. how can folks on the outside support those needs right now? Right. Well, uh, again, um, I mentioned about like you know having. Um, well, first of all, each institution is probably different, but here, like, you know, just right. having the proper, you know, stuff to be able to sanitize the cells and and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, um, but also, like, to help with the, um, with the, those fighting, um, these, uh, you know, those who are incarcerated for these nonviolent violent offenses and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Um, I mean... Um, I guess that would be like um, and uh, to put pressure on politicians. I mean to um, actually let these people out. Yeah. I mean rather than to hold them because they are doing that. That's something that that's being done around the country. So there's no need. There's no reason why it's not being done here. Right. Like um, so, I don't know what that process would look like. How they would determine who um, and whatnot. But. Uh, but that's, that would be something that would be very, very helpful. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, I, uh, I believe that, let me see, one of the things that I talked about, because they had raised the amount of money that we could spend in commissary mm-hmm. from like seventy to $100. And I'm trying to figure out where do we get that kind of money to be spent right. in commissary, first of all. So, but they pay us. The pay rate is from like 19 to 42 cent an hour. So the right. minimum pay is 19 cent. The most you can make is is 42 cent. So I was wondering why can't they pay at least a dollar an hour? You know, maybe right. that would be the starting point. A dollar an hour, and you know, maybe you know you can work up to two or three dollars an hour. And you know, it seemed like that would make more sense. But I don't know. I mean, that's something that I talked to someone else about. Uh, I don't know how we would advocate for that on the outside. More ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we need some. We need help for. I mean, like there are a lot of people who don't have any support. This is a um, call from SCI Phoenix State right. Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. There, uh, there are people who don't have any support coming in from the outside, and there are people who are uh, who dealing with mental health challenges. Right. So they would definitely need some advocacy, I mean, some advocacy, you know? Uh, yeah. Now, what, that adv- what that would look like, I don't know, but we definitely need it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen also a lot of, I've seen like commissary um, relief fund, support funds where people have been able to like set up. I know Black and Pink was doing one where they had, like, set up a fund that people could donate to that would go to commissary, commissary funds? Well, they, 
But that um, would be one idea. That would be good. But also they have like what they call here, they have an IDWF fund, right? Which stands for like inmate general welfare fund, right? Mm, and mm-hmm. I was wondering if they could, and that's supposed to be like millions in that, like at least, you know, I was wondering if they could tap into that and kind of like, you know, uh, make monies available for those, you know I mean, like those uh, who are mentally challenged, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and they have what they call in the prison, like a general label pool, which is supposed to be a certain amount of money that's given. It's a small amount of money, this stipend that's given like a month, like something like $14 or something like that hmm. for those who don't have jobs or those who are just coming in. So if they could raise that price, you know what I mean, make make it more yeah. so that they would be able to uh, at least be able to, you know, take care of their basic needs and stuff. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense hmm. to you? Yeah, definitely. I didn't know I didn't know about that that kind of fund. This is a call from SCI Phoenix okay, State so, Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording so, and monitoring. Uh, bro, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get off right now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I wanna thank you, man, for your time. I'm thank gonna you. try to get back in touch with you in a couple of days, right? So you can yeah. you know, look, look at what you have and, and if you have any more questions for me, let me know when I call back, okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Um thank you. Thank you for this.